always hustle. Like you cannot underestimate the power of hustle. Welcome back to Moms in Baseball. This is episode 49 and I'm Stephanie. And I'm Diana. In today's episode, this is one that we put together at the last moment because it's such an important and relevant topic in the travel baseball world in July and August, and that is tryouts. Around us and in the Michigan area, it seems like tryouts run mid-July through mid-August, although it does seem like they're getting earlier and earlier every year. Absolutely. Yeah, we wanted to dedicate an episode 100% to travel ball tryouts, and our hope is to speak directly to players in this episode, so please feel free to invite your ball player to listen with you. We're going to discuss how to prepare for a travel team tryout, what to expect, how to stand out, and what to do in the worst case scenario if you don't make the team or are cut from a team. And we decided to invite back Diana's husband, Dr. Trevor Grice, for this episode. Trevor is going into his seventh year of coaching and co-coaching a travel team. He is also the organization president for a very large elite travel ball organization in Michigan, and he is also a licensed psychologist. Welcome, Trevor. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, thanks so much for agreeing to do this last second. (laughs) So Trevor's been on several episodes already, so I'm not going to waste too much time getting into Trevor's background outside of the brief intro that Stephanie already gave. But again, thanks so much for joining us. And first of all, we want to jump right in and find out, to start with the tryout, the player has to be dressed appropriately. So what are your thoughts on how a player should come dressed for tryouts? I think, you know, since we have players listening and if I were talking directly to them, it's no different than later on in life when you are told by some people, you know, show up to the job in the way that you want to be perceived and also ready to work. And so, you know, showing up for a construction job in a suit and tie doesn't make sense. You should show up in a hard hat and work boots because they may want to put you to work right then and there. So here for baseball, it's showing up to that tryout ready to play a game that day if you were asked. And that's going to look like the necessary tools that any baseball player would need, cleats, baseball pants, a belt, a shirt, and I would even say a jersey, uh, because there's no reason that you can't show that you've been on a team before. If you don't have one, then a a t-shirt probably would be sufficient. And then, you know, continuing to move up, you might have your sunglasses ready in case you have some outfield work you need to do and show that you're prepared in order to get out there and have the tools necessary to do the job in the outfield. And then the one thing that I, I really honestly think that is forgotten by some that is when it comes down to it, a huge no-no is to forget that hat. You need a hat. Um, it's a tool for baseball. So if I were to sum it up quickly, since I was a little long-winded there, hat, pants, cleats, all the tools necessary to play a game at that moment, at that time, if you were to be asked. So you already kind of touched on it, but if somebody's trying out either for an organization that they already played for in the past or trying out for a different organization than who they who they have played for, you think it's totally fine to show up, you know, in their in their old jersey or in a competitor's jersey, or would you have a preference for maybe like a hometown jersey, or do you think it matters? I don't know if it really matters. I think as a coach, I would want to see that this person has played before in some way. And if it was if I was a coach and I didn't know this kid at all and I saw that he had a travel ball shirt on, that would make me think, okay, he understands what travel ball means. The family understands what travel ball means. And that would be important to me in terms of making considerations. However, sometimes people don't want to be affiliated with that organization and they may choose their hometown team. And I don't think you lose as much by doing that either. Um, you can follow that up with, well, I do. I have played three years of travel ball, so I do understand that. But I'm also repping my, my local hometown. We're playing all-stars right now, having a lot of fun playing with my friends. So I don't 
don't think you can go wrong with either one. I like that. I like that you also mentioned a belt. Like that is a, a must that you have. Like if your pants have the belt loops, you must be wearing a belt. I like that. Yeah. You might call me a little old fashioned or picky, but you know, if you have the belt on, you may not need it, but I do think it looks better. But if you look at a kid who has pants with belt loops on and there's not a belt in there, that looks bad to me. <laughs> I always joke because families talk about looking back at like cute old pictures of their baseball players when they were playing t-ball or machine pitch and they had the elastic pants and Uh they'll talk about the elastic pants era and my boys never had an elastic pants era like somehow trevor found teeny teeny tiny like size 3t baseball pants with belt loops they had they had baseball pants with loops and belts and shirts tucked in That's right. That's right. That's the uniform. I like it. That's good. They look good, didn't they? Sure did. That's right. So Trevor, next, what should players bring to be prepared for tryouts? You know, it's, I think it's often overlooked in terms of tools that are necessary to play baseball. And I already talked about some of those uniform tools, such as sunglasses or a hat. And obviously, you would like to think that everybody would show up with a baseball glove. I will tell you that has happened before where someone did not add a travel ball tryout nonetheless. I'll go back to that uniform, also the cleats, right? Now, going further into that bag, what do you need? You really should have your own bat, even if you got to borrow from someone else, because you don't want to borrow at the tryout. I would say that it's not a like a, a complete no-go, but I, I don't think you want to send that message. I think you would like to show up with your own bat, and frankly, you're going to feel more confident using a bat that you know how to use and that you're comfortable with. And then the other one is, is like... Sometimes people come up and will ask the question, well, do you catch? And they'll say, yeah, I catch. And they say, okay, go get your gear on. And they say, well, I don't have gear. In travel ball world, you aren't a catcher unless you have your own gear. It, you might catch a little bit and you might have done it before, but if you want to be taken seriously as a catcher, you should show up with your own gear. And as soon as the coach there says, oh, you got gear? Go ahead and put it on. You're running over there to put it on and be ready to catch some bullpens to demonstrate that you have that ability and that is something that you have put effort in. You know, something else that often gets overlooked is just water. It's often at these tryouts, they'll go for an hour and a half. And if you have an hour and a half practice, you usually give two to three water breaks. Well, you know, if you're at one of these tryouts in the middle of July and it's hot out, you definitely want to have your own water and in order to stay fresh and hydrated throughout the tryout. Absolutely. Nice. What are some things that you would recommend a player and or a parent do to physically prepare for a tryout? So... One thing that we tell our boys in preparation for our tryouts is, especially if you get done in the end of June like we are, is to make sure that you're throwing and staying in baseball shape through July up until those tryouts. Now, ours are in the first full weekend in August. So that's a whole month that our boys need to stay in, quote unquote, baseball shape. And so if you have a season that ends a little bit early, I would highly recommend that you continue to go out and play catch two to three times a week. And maybe once a week, go out and just have somebody throw you some baseballs, hit them off a tee, just so you don't show up to that tryout having not thrown, not hit, or done anything for a month. Uh, There's there's pretty much no way that you can put out your best performance if you have been out of baseball shape for a month. Right. That makes sense. And also, this might be kind of strange, but since you are a psychologist, I figured we could go there. Is there any sort of mental preparation players could do to get ready? I think understand that failure is part of the game of baseball. So if you don't make this organization, that it's not the end of the world if, if it's an organization you really wanted to be on. And also giving yourself credit for showing up to that tryout. Um, I can guarantee you, you won't make a team that has a tryout that you don't attend. And so many times we hear about kids who said, oh, I wasn't going to make that team anyway, so I didn't show up. 
that's the mentality that later in life is going to cause you to not apply for a job or not do something else. You have to challenge yourself. And, and in the first step in baseball as a coach, the kids that show up to my tryout automatically get bonus points because they showed up. And what I've found is the kids that have showed up two to three times, say maybe they showed up at 9U, then at 10U. At 11U, I know them. And I also know if they've improved or not. And then you become kind of connected to them in a way to say, they don't quit. Like that's a that's a quality I want on my team or I want in our organization. Because in our organization, sometimes we have two teams at each age level. We have kids in our organization that did that, got better every year. And they are valuable members of our organization because they keep they just kept coming and kept trying to make a team that they really wanted to be on until it happened. Um, and maybe it wasn't the exact team they wanted. They got involved in it and they, they kept going at it. And so, you know, in life, that's who we want to hire too, right? So as, if parents are listening to this and you want to set good examples for your kids in terms of, you know, who are the hireable individuals, who do, you know, uh, CEOs of businesses want to hire, they want to hire those no quit, do whatever it takes type of kids. And so encouraging your kids to go to a tryout, even if you know they might not make that team, going is, is of utmost importance to show that you have what it takes to just at least get on that field to see if I have what it takes to make it. I like that. That's a good point. So thinking about a kid who has never gone through the actual process of trying out for a team before, could you give him or her an idea of what to expect? Well, if uh, that child is listening right now, I will tell you that you will be nervous. It's just part of the game and it's okay feeling those nerves and then using those to kind of, you know, do your best. I mean, all you can ever do is ask yourself, you know, did I do my best and go out there and and, and make an effort to do that. If you want to go into some of the physical aspects, hydrate the day before, get plenty of rest. You know, if you have a 3 p.m. tryout, uh, maybe don't swim for three hours before that. You know, take take it seriously uh, if you are serious about making the team. And also just realize that everybody's watching your behavior as well how you hold yourself, how you're interacting with the kids. So many people think it's about how many ground balls you field. And I can guarantee you at my tryout, if we hit you five ground balls, it has nothing to do with how successful you field those ground balls. We are looking at actually the smaller aspects. Did you charge it? How was your footwork? Have you had training before? Were you aggressive to that ball? I can't say nothing with fielding it. We want you to field it and throw it too. But so much of what we look at at tryouts isn't the obvious things like, did you hit the ball to the outfield or did you field the ground ball? We're honestly looking at a lot of the smaller things and also how you're interacting with the other kids around you. So just know, kids, if you're listening and going to try out, know that even when somebody's not, you don't think somebody's watching, they're watching. Like if you're not hitting right now, but you're out in the field and you're fielding ground balls, I tend to watch those kids a lot. Are you calling the ball? Are you making a great effort? Are you kind of goofing around with the kids and trying to be Kobe and sink balls from, you know, 14 feet away into the bucket? You know, those are things that I do pay attention to. What about the actual tryout? What does an actual tryout kind of look like? Yeah, so for for people that have never been to a tryout, they honestly can look a lot different depending on where you go. In terms of what I would say a good tryout looks like, there'll be a foot speed test. It might be the base length and kind of get your time on the base length, or it might be a 40-yard dash or a 60-yard, you know, some basic unit of measurement that kind of has numbers that go along with that. Um, I I think something that's important is is there better be warm-ups I'll tell you right now as a parent, if you go to a tryout and there's no specific warm-ups, I would be very concerned. That's a warning sign. You know, the kids should be playing catch with one another. The coaches should be watching even at that point, also doing, um, you know, some dynamic stretching and things of that nature. You really should see uh, fly balls in the outfield and usually difficult ones 
with long throws, usually across the field to gauge arm strength. Usually in field, you're going to get balls moving to the left to right and right at you, making long throws across the diamond, probably in the deep shortstop hole or even third base. And then you're always going to get a chance to hit. Um, catchers usually will get work in the bullpen, catching bullpens, and, and so be prepared and ready for that. And then pitchers, they're going to want you to be warm and get up there and probably throw just about 10 pitches. They're going to want to see max velocity. They're going to want to see if you can locate, and they're going to want to see your off-speed pitches. You're not going to get a 35-pitch bullpen. That's just There's not enough time for that. <laughs> right. You said that coaches are looking at the little things and they're looking at more than just the obvious, like more than just, you know, was he able to knock down the ground ball and make the throw? Do any specific do's or don'ts come to mind that you could offer advice to players about? Well, I think it's probably important to note that, you know, depending on the nature of the organization, that the trouts could look very different and, you know, might be more or less complicated than that. But to, to answer your direct question here of the do's or don'ts, you know, as a parent, there should be a time to ask questions. And I, as a parent, I would really encourage you to not take up the coach's time when they're trying to evaluate. We see that from time to time. It is a huge turnoff because a parent that does that and doesn't understand boundaries is going to have problems with boundaries later on, too. That would be a don't for parents, mm-hmm. right? For for the players, you know, I think the do's are some of the things that you just learn about how to get through life in, in a good way. Go up, shake hands, eye contact, be respectful, be respectful to your teammates that are there because at that time they are your teammates. It, 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 you say, well, it's a tryout. They're, they're my competition. No, actually we would want to see you treat them as te- teammates, you know, support, you know, encouragement, things of that nature. Th- those little things will go a long way. And for the players that are listening – the natural type of encouragement, not the kind where you're literally sitting there cheering on every kid for everything they do. Like we would know that's kind of fake. So try not to be too fake about it. But the genuine concern and care for for your teammates at that time would be something I would like to see. Always hustle. Like you cannot underestimate the power of hustle and, you know, be the first one out. There's a line that we oftentimes use. It's called coaches only remember the first and the last players. And they remember them for different reasons. And so try to be the first. Hustle around. Always say, yeah, I can do that. You know, hey, can you go play first base? And you might be a guy who's never played first base. The answer should be yes. I can be over there, coach. No problem. If you need me over there, I'll go. And um, just show that you're willing to be flexible. That would be a huge do. I'm going to add a don't to this list that Xander taught me. (laughs) Our son Uh Xander taught me when he was nine years old. So it was, I mean, it was kind of his second tryout because he played at 8U. But at 8U, there were only like four kids at tryouts and it was super casual. So this was his first kind of like real tryout where there were kids to choose from. Keegan would have been there as well, Stephanie, I'm sure, because he tried out that year too. But um, I know that Trevor was out evaluating kids along with like a plethora of coaches from the organization. And one of the coaches that has been around forever and we have a ton of respect for kind of came up to Trevor to or Steve or both to say, you know, hey, I just wanted to let you know you've got a kid over there that in between reps, you know, like in between taking ground balls or whatever, he's sitting down as opposed to like <laughs> oh, hustling and or helping out or waiting his place in line, standing up like everybody else. And they look and of course it's our kid. It was Xander. Oh, shoot. And so then, that you know, the coach that mentioned it was like, ah, coach's kid. Yep. Don't sit down. <laughs> don't go out in the yeah. grass. And, I mean, this should be kind of obvious, but maybe not for a nine-year-old. I would hope that nobody listening to this would, would do that, but that, that's a big don't, I would definitely say. Yeah. <laughs> hey, they're young. They weren't sure. He was getting a little bored. Give him some slack. Come on, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, yeah, hopefully he wouldn't do that at 14. No. I hope not. Yeah. I hope <laughs> but not. he did that at nine. 
And I'm just going to add one more. And this is a dude. Oh, no, there's actually two things I have here. And one of them is a Trevorism. <laughs> He's just forgetting. But this is a huge Trevor one. But the first one, when he mentioned with the water, I feel like a coach may not notice if a kid comes prepared and has plenty of water or Gatorade or whatever to keep hydrated during the tryout. But they may notice if a kid goes running out to mom in the middle of the tryout to be like, hey, mom, I'm thirsty. Give me a drink. You know, and that's why we hear boys say that like that all the time, too. It's usually not like, could I have some water? It's like, hey, mom, give me a drink. I'm thirsty. Like maybe don't do that. Like make sure they have a bunch of water like with them in their bag, you know, so they don't have to go ask mom for something in the middle of the tryout. I would imagine that could potentially be a turnoff to a lot of coaches. And the other one, and this is simple, talking about being prepared for a tryout and coming prepared with your equipment. What's something that is a huge turnoff to you when you see them getting out of the car and walking up to the tryout? Well, I have a laundry list of them that you're now reminding me of all of them. Um, He's like, it's all coming forth. Like yeah, that was like just like fingernails it. on a chalkboard where you're talking about that because you also forgot the mom that comes into the dugout during the tryout and brings the Gatorade to the kid, right? Like, don't ever do that. Like, oh, my goodness. Like, you want to ruin it for your kid, do that, please. Yeah, hold, hold back your helicopter parenting skills until after they've made the team. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't show all your cards at first. So... You know, you, you, uh-huh. I talk a lot thinking ahead. I talk a lot with um, high school coaches and college coaches and college scouts um, that I know and some of them that I've interviewed on here, you know, going back to Jason Ball and, and uh, Mark Kreziak and some of the others that, that Diana and Stephanie have interviewed. And there's a lot of stories you hear about um, how to get the Sharpie, right? And the Sharpie is, is how do you get off of a scout or a coach's list quickly? And one of the best stories that I've heard is a coach or a scout coming to watch a high school player and the game started at 4 o'clock, so he got there about 2.45 and sat in his car with nothing on that indicated that he was from this college and watched. And he saw the player that he came to watch get out of the vehicle and talking rudely to his mom and then walking away and his mom getting the bag out of the car and carrying it to the dugout. And you would think that, you know, this guy did not know that that coach was there, but that coach put the key in the ignition and left right then and there. That's a Sharpie moment that we like to call. And so this starts early on. Like if I'm watching in the parking lot and I'm watching a parent carry a ball bag out and the kid's just walking ahead or, you know, talking rudely to the parent or something along those lines, it's probably a Sharpie moment for me too. Yeah, and I I know that it can be controversial. I've seen that topic posted very recently, both topics actually, about your kids coming out to get drinks from you in the middle of a game or parents carrying bat bags for kids. And, you know, a lot of parents were defending that and maybe they have their own point, I suppose. But I guess my point is it could potentially hurt your child at trials. It's not going to hurt the player if he or she brings their own bag and if they bring their own liquid. So if you want to do everything you can to increase your odds that you're not going to stand out in all the wrong ways, then that there's some advice right there. There's a lot of things we just need to do, and this is psychologist Trevor talking now, to prepare our kids for the real world. And some of it is just carrying their own weight. So, um, yeah, it may be intense, but why are we going to protect 10-year-olds from learning what life is actually about to? So I get pretty I get pretty high and mighty about that sometimes, and I know it rubs people the wrong way. But um, I, I, to me, it's important because I know on a ball field, while I'm trying to develop ball players, I'm also developing young men 
fathers, future fathers, future husbands as well. And we appreciate that. Yeah, that's good advice. So we realize that every team may be a little bit different, but could you give in your own opinion about what would be a reasonable time that people would wait to hear from a coach about whether or not a player made the team? That is probably one of the most hot topic issues in the tryout (laughs) world because tryouts can, in our area, will literally, I mean, they're starting right now, right? I mean, people are doing tryouts and it's, I mean, what is the date? Is it even the 10th of, no, it's July, first week of July still, basically. You know, and ours are a month away. Yeah, first week in July. So, you know, you definitely, as a parent, you want to be patient because the more annoying you are, the less likely you're going to get chosen because that just indicates what your behavior is going to be later on. But I also think that you need to be real with them. If you need to know, you need to let that coach know, listen, I ha- my son has an offer from another team. They're being patient, but at the same point, we need to make a decision out of respect for them. And that's why we often do our private tryouts is to help assist with that, even though our tryouts are normally at a specific time. But, um, you know, I I would like to think that if a major tryout happened, you really should know within a week um, where you stand with them. And this is a point that I'm going to tell parents right now that you really should be expecting. And if you don't get it, it is, to me, a very big sign of the organization you're dealing with. You should expect a call whether your son makes it or not. I just think it's common courtesy to make that call, not to do some sort of post on, oh, check on Facebook, we're going to list the roster type of thing. I mean, I get it. I, I'm not saying there's anything majorly wrong, but to me, it's a phone call to say, we liked what we saw, but it's just not, he's really not the best fit for us. And we'd love to see him next year. And if so, you know, maybe a little bit more work with arm strength and, uh, and bar- barrel up a little bit more in that. That's what we'd like to see. And then maybe we'd, we'd be able to take another look. Like telling those kids what they could improve on so that they can work on it rather than completely not knowing why you didn't make it and why these other kids did that are on this list. Um, that's just something that I would encourage parents to kind of expect. I, mean, I don't know what, how you guys feel about that, but I'm, in our organization, I, I kind of put those expectations for our coaches. You're calling everybody. It's just common courtesy. Right. Yeah. I like that. I appreciate that. I like that because otherwise, to parents, when they haven't heard from coach, they don't know if it's because they didn't make the team and they just aren't going to call or, you know, if the coach hasn't made the decision yet. So at the very least, it's it's courtesy just to let them know the decision has been made and now you can move on. Right. Yes. But I like the the what you need to work on, too. Like mm-hmm. everybody appreciates that. So if this person has not heard from the organization and it's like going on two weeks, would you recommend them contacting the coach? I mean, I think they're within their purview to contact the coach within a week. I mean, I don't. I think two weeks would be too long, in my own personal opinion, just for at least a feedback. True. In the travel ball, in this month, a week is a long time. You know, a, a travel ball organization that has their ducks in a row and has their tryout should be able to give you some information within a week. Right. And, okay, this is something I wanted to talk about because I know it's something our organization runs into a lot because we tend to have tryouts later than a lot of the other teams in our area. And so, you know, a lot of times kids are trying out for multiple organizations because, you know, maybe they have their dream team they want to be on, but they want to make sure they make a team. So they try out for two or three different organizations, you know, whose tryouts may be weeks apart. And like, let's say the player made one or two of their teams, but the team they really want to be on is the one with the latest tryout. Okay. So they've been offered a spot and coach is pushing you to, you know, make a choice. They don't want to wait for you to go to that last tryout. Do you have any advice to give that player or that parent that should they just kind of take the sure bet and go with the team that they know wants them? Um, you know, should they stand their ground and hold, and hold, hold off for that last tryout? What are your thoughts there? You know, 
I'm going to start off with the fact that travel ball is a competitive thing. And so that leaks over into tryouts as well. And so tryouts can be competitive between organizations. And so the recommendation that I give on this topic that you're bringing up for parents is, does the pressure you're getting from the team to make a decision seem genuine or does it seem forced? And that's that gut feeling, right? Because if it seems genuine and you notice genuine interest from them and it's something that you'd like to do, then maybe you do make that decision. However, I would still reach out to that other organization that has a later tryout and ask for a private tryout so that you can be considered. I I just think that it's good practice. If they say, no, we don't do anything like that, then you're kind of put into a pickle where you, you do have to make that choice and wait. The other one would be to go to the coach that's giving the pressure to you and say, listen, we're trying to find the best situation for my son my or my daughter and my family, and we would like to explore all of our options. And if the coach says, well, th- this option won't be here if you wait another week, then I would like to think that's telling. And does is that a place that you want your son or daughter at? It might be, but to me, that is almost a fear-based reaction, like we're afraid we're going to lose you. When I've been faced with that, I mean, I even encourage my kids to go to other tryouts to see if they can find a better situation that best suits them. Um, Some do it, some don't. But this is all about development and finding that happy place. Like when you have that happy place in travel ball, it's phenomenal. It's a great time. You have great moments. You have great friends. And the kids just, they play better when they're with the right situation. And you know, an organization that's forcing you to make a decision because they're afraid to lose you to another tryout later and trying to lock you up. I understand that's how sales works. I understand that's, you know, one of the number one rules in sales, but this is different. Um, I like to think it's different. Some people will disagree with me, but that's how I look at it. So I would encourage parents in that situation to really explore their options, reach out to all the organizations, and then make the best choice for them, their family, whatever it is. If, if you miss out on an opportunity because someone forced you to make a decision, maybe it wasn't an opportunity that was meant for you. Good point. Good point. Is there anything players or parents should be looking out for at tryouts? Like meaning they're not only having their child try out for the organization or team, but they're also, you know, trying out the organization. I mean, seeing what they're all about. That's a that's a great point, and I would encourage everyone listening to look at this as a two-way decision, that you go there thinking, oh, I want my kid to make this. This is a tryout for them. But this is an interview for you, too. You're seeing what's going on and to see if this is something you want to be a part of. And the things that you would be looking for as a parent is, are they organized? Honestly, it's the most important thing. If this tryout looks like it's chaos, then what do you think your travel ball season is going to be or your practices that the kids go to or anything else? You know, I mean, chaos begets chaos. So if it looks like it's organized and well-structured and well-put together, then that probably indicates what the rest of the season will look like as well. Information, like if you're there and the parents aren't given the information on what it might take to do this or to be successful in this program or this organization or this team, like why are they not telling you? We all know that the kids and their talent is part of this, but the parents are the keys. They're the cogs of this whole thing. A kid might choose to go to your team because the parents want them to. So are you getting the information and are you getting answers to the questions that you're asking? I have this 40-question thing I found on somebody's blog that I answer every year, and we hand it out at tryouts. And there are 40 questions that are just 
awesome questions for any parent to ask. And so rather than have have those parents ask the questions, I answer them for them and then hand them out to them and say, these are 40 questions you need to know the answer from, from us. And we hand it out to them and give them the information that they don't even know that they want to know. So if you're asking questions and you're not necessarily getting the answers, that would be a big warning sign. Why aren't you getting the answers? Why are you getting I don't knows? Frankly, look at the people running the tryout. If they look like they know what they're doing, then they probably know what they're doing. If they look like they don't know what they're doing, they're probably not going to teach your kid a whole lot <laughs> Like later on. You know what I mean? Like, It sounds obvious, but who cares how nice a guy is? If he can't throw a ball, it's a problem. <laughs> so, I mean, it just is. Diana and I talk about our 40 or 42, it's actually 42 questions. We talk about it a lot. Um, and actually, my co-coach and I, were we talked about it yesterday to redo it. So I'm guessing she might put it in the show notes for you guys to take a look at so you know what you want to ask at these tryouts. Yes, we will definitely link that in the show notes. And it is, as he mentioned... It is 42 essential questions to ask before joining a new travel team. And we've actually linked it before. It was in the episode, gosh, I want to say it was our first Dad's Takeover episode. So I will link both that episode because it's also another good one to listen to following this if you haven't already. It talks about, like, I believe it was the five different types of travel ball teams. Yeah, yeah. So that that could go hand in hand very well with this. And so we do reference that in in there as well. But we will link to those 42 questions as well in these show notes. That's right. Yeah, we went back and talked about, you know, the win at all costs and the developmental organization. And, you know, and the fact is, is that there's a place for all of them, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. so finally, our last question. What advice would you give to a kid who just found out that either they were just cut from last year's travel team or they didn't make the cut for the team they tried out for this year? Yeah. So, you know, if that child is listening, you know, here, I, I, I would say it's okay that it hurts. Um, but to realize that, you know, failure is a part of life, but we don't have to let it define us. And then I go right back to the couple of kids that I know that, that continued to come to our tryouts. And I got to see every year after that and know that their desire to not quit at trials and to keep trying became their biggest quality. It became almost more important than whether they could throw, hit, or pitch. Um, and in those situations, they, they actually could. But the fact that they came back, that they clearly had improved, and that they weren't quitting, that they kept trying to make it, became that invaluable thing, that, that the immeasurable quality that all of us are looking for in our players. You know, you know that they're not gonna they're not gonna bail on you in the bottom of the sixth inning when when you need that hit. That they more likely will probably come through in the clutch. So it's okay that it hurts. Um, life isn't always about successes, but it's about what you do afterwards. And so if you spend the rest of the year getting better on the team that you do make and then go back to that trial, they will remember you. They will. I promise you they will. And if you got better, they'll notice that too. Yeah, that's great advice. So is there anything else that we forgot to ask that may be relevant that you'd like to get out there regarding tryouts for travel baseball? You know, not knowing these questions ahead of time and kind of going on the fly, I think there was a great set of questions. The the final thought I would have for parents and, and players listening about things that you would need to know, I, would re- I, I really just want to encourage everybody listening to this and going out to tryouts to really remember that this is about you, your family, and your child. Please make the right choice for them. Try not to drink the Kool-Aid. Who cares if they have the most rings? I'm not saying it's not important. I mean, it is important, but... Go in there and trust your gut because I I know numerous people that have played on organizations that have had a flat-out blast and have never won anything, but their kids got significantly better. 
honestly, the world of travel ball ends. It's not the be-all, end-all. Travel ball is just a stage. And then there's high school ball, which is arguably more important for a lot of people because it's their community. But it's also where you start getting seen and seeing if you can perform at a high level. And there's a lot of people that have memorable district and regional finals in their high school that are more meaningful to them than a travel ball win. So, you know, there's, there's a lot to take into account. Just remember, you're interviewing them. Try not to fall victim to the Kool-Aid drinking and the, oh, look at how good we are and how great we are and your kid should want to play for us. Um, that generally bleeds over into how your kid will be treated later on, especially if they don't meet the expectations of that coach and then you're in one of those one-year programs where you're cut and you're looking for another organization. And, you know, there is more information that people probably want to know. And by all means, you know, I'll be happy to answer any questions. Not that I'm an expert, but at the same point, I've been around this for a while, and I, I have a feeling of things that do and don't work. So is it Parents in Baseball group on Facebook? Yes, that would be a great place to ask questions. Parents in Baseball. And you're in the Parents in Baseball group, so they could yeah. tag you, Trevor Grice. How do you know? Yeah, that would be, be the perfect way to get a hold of you. So you already started that plug there for us, so I feel like we should I know. Maybe you should just finish it all up. That, yeah, you can find us in our Parents in Baseball group on Facebook, but we're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as Moms in Baseball. You can visit our website, momsinbaseball.com, or you could also shoot us an email at momsinbaseball at gmail.com. So thank you so much, Trevor. This has been very insightful and very informative. We really appreciate you doing this episode with us. So if you have enjoyed this episode, please take a few moments to give us a five-star rating on the podcast directory that you are currently listening to and hit the subscribe button. This seems so simple, but it all helps us so much. Yes, and on deck for next week, we plan to release more tournament reviews. With that said, little disclaimer that as this episode is airing on Friday, we are going to be or currently in Branson at the Ballparks of America tournament. Um, in the week immediately following that, myself, Diana, and my family will be in Myrtle Beach for a Cal Ripken tournament. So we're going to be a tiny bit busy. Um, we're going to reserve the right to change our minds. But Absolutely. Th- that's the plan is that we're going to try to get out some tournament reviews. But until next time, have fun at the fields. We'll see you next week. Hey everybody, this is Trevor coming back at you with uh, some information that we uh, forgot to talk about in the podcast and uh, Diana asked me to talk about it a little bit and that's the information regarding cost per team. Uh, you know, cost is one of those hot topic issues and um, you know, it, one of the things that I would really encourage all families to do when they are exploring joining a travel team is to ask a lot of questions. Now, some travel teams talk about how their costs are very, very low, and it's only 200 or $400 per player. And then there's rumors going around of other organizations that um, cost a lot of money and maybe thousands and thousands of dollars. Both of these can be true. They absolutely can. You know, what I have found that teams that say that their costs are only two or $400 or somewhere in that range, they tend to not be very true, even though I've seen it before. So here's, here's kind of the skinny on it all. You have to ask the questions to ask, what does that amount include and how much work is it going to be from me? Now, we try to do like a full disclosure, full transparency type of situation and let them know how much everything is going to cost when we release our budget. And usually we try to do that at tryouts. How much the helmet? But, you know, if we require matching batting gloves or matching bags, we want you to know how much that might cost, including socks and belt and all of that. We also estimate how many jerseys we may have, how many pairs of pants, etc. One of the tricks that a lot of 
organizations will do is they'll give you a small amount of money to make you think that it's very affordable to play for them and then they'll kind of nickel and dime you along the way or say okay now you have to participate in this fundraiser and you have to go find these three corporate sponsors or else you have to eat this money these are all things that we've heard before or they say well we're gonna fundraise $700 but they don't tell you how they're going to do it and how much effort it's going to be for you to do that so overall I always recommend that people ask the questions how much does this cost if I were to do nothing and if I were just to pay with a check right now that's always a good start and a good question and if they don't know that then that would generally be a sign of not being very organized or basically that ultimately they wanted uh, uh, they're, they're, I don't want to say they're hiding something but they, they just there's information they don't want you to know or whatever now every now and then you run into an organization that has great sponsors and can be that low and those are great organizations to be a part of uh, they maybe have good community support and if that is the case then fantastic wow lucky very very lucky but some of these costs are very static and they're fixed for every team you know jerseys cost the same for almost every team pants cost the same for every team maybe just the quantity differs bat bags cost the same for every team practice facilities cost the same for almost every team you know rental of domes or anything like that tournaments cost the same for every team unless you're going to very specific tournaments that have low costs versus ones that are high costs as you age those tend to go up too so a cost for a 10u tournament might be $350 whereas a cost for a 16u tournament might be $1000 $500 if it's a showcase or something like that. As is always the case, the more information you get, the better. And do not be afraid to ask those questions and how those monies are raised. Because if it doesn't include uniforms, then you can pretty much expect that there's $300 more on top of it later. If they said it's going to be six tournaments, well, there's not a lot of travel teams that only play six tournaments. A lot of times it's eight and nine, so they're just going to add those on at the end. You know, and also remember, and, and this is for your own individual budgets, these budgets do not take into account time off of work, time, uh, you know, time for food, time for a variety of other factors, including your you know, being away from family and the cost that would come from uh, additional meals away and the hotels and then the things to just stay entertained. Finally, another thing that parents should be looking at is the status of the teams. And what I mean by that is something we talked about in our first Dad's Takeover episode was this idea of what is the aspect that this team is going after regarding profitability, okay? Um, there's really kind of three types of teams out there. There's the just throw together team and let's see what we can make it happen. There's nonprofit teams which have nonprofit status. All right, and this whole idea of you know providing a service to the community in theory, and then there's for-profit teams. And I think depending on uh, what team you're trying out for, it really determines kind of maybe the the money aspect, right? Because if it's just a throw-together team for a community with a bunch of dads, um, something to keep in mind is it's it's unlikely that they're in it for the money. But there might be a little bit of disorganization at times. That's not always the case, but it might be the case. And sometimes you'll get that uh, nickel and dime aspect, like oh now we need this. Oh, now we need that. Organized teams that are nonprofit, they've probably been doing it a while. And uh, one of the big advantages of nonprofit teams, especially those with a 501c3 status, are that you can do a number of different fundraisers that are legal in states, such as raffles and possibly even bigger things like lottery challenges, etc. And so fundraising can sometimes be easier with those teams because of the access to legal fundraising, the ability to advertise for it. Not to mention providing tax benefits to companies that provide sponsorships, right? Uh, rather than just writing it off as advertising costs, they can literally say they sponsored a nonprofit organization and that provides a much better tax benefit to companies. And then the last one is the for-profits. Now, what would that be? That might be a team that's 
um, basically supported by a by a batting cage or a training facility or an individual coach who is making some money off of this. These do not have to be negative in any way. I know many of them that are not and are really there for the betterment of the kids and for the purpose of making a little bit of profit. But it's just something to take into account. Um, but it, in talking with parents that have been part of those organizations before, they do wonder, uh, are they being used as kind of feeder individuals into the system, or is it really what their child needs? So we went 501c3 status with our organization for the purpose of clarity and opportunity and to really show what our purpose was, you know, that whole idea of mission statement um, to provide this community service to the kids. Hopefully this is helpful. If you have any more questions, don't hesitate to message the page um, at uh, Parents in Baseball on Facebook or reach out to Stephanie or Diana for any further information. Thank you. You did that, but I wasn't totally done with my statement. <laughs> oh, if I wait for you to finish, this is going to be a three-hour episode. But Maybe it needs to be. Oh, Lord. Okay, go ahead. It needs to be.